Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Here we are, another amazing episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. This one, broken record time and time again, but I feel like uh, the guests just continue to become more intriguing and exciting as uh, these conversations happen. And I'm really excited for this guest because it speaks near and dear to the work that she does and her team and, and, and her business and all this work speaks to a lot of the work that I think we're trying to have a lot of conversations around in education. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see um, where this conversation leads today, as I think there, there's, there's going to be a lot of crossover and infusion in, in all the ideas and uh, a great opportunity for a lot of you listening in especially towards the end uh, for a pretty cool opportunity that'll also be included in the show notes um, as we get going. So let's dive into the action. And today I have on an awesome guest, Jenny, thank you for making time uh, for jumping into the show here. Um, I know it's always uncomfortable, but I do it to everybody anyways to talk about ourselves, but who are you? What do you do? And what in the world do you got going on? Um, well, okay, yeah, that's just happening. <laughs> and thanks for um, thanks for uh, inviting me today. So, yeah, I'm Jenny Bukas, and what don't I do? Um, so, official title is CEO, founder, head of content for Explore Media. What does that mean in practicality? Um, I'm a storyteller, a director, and a producer of educational content for teens, tweens, and their teachers. I love it, and and you say it so simply, and it is some phenomenal content and video and creation. I know we've been lucky enough to uh, use a, a few of those videos in a, in a project we were doing around plastic pollution. Um, and I know there's lots of content that schools and stuff can create and or, or utilize and access. But then there's just a, another level of, of quality that I think um, you guys create and put together. Um, and I know when we were looking through the plastic and the waste, man, it just generated so many powerful questions and, and further intrigue for the students that were exploring that, um, you know, that we couldn't necessarily always find just in a simple uh, Google search or whatever your, your, your searching platform might be in this day and age. Um, and so could you talk a little bit more about about that a little bit in terms of what it is? Because we might have a lot of guests that maybe have no idea that this exists or even what it is. Yeah, I love that your students uh, walked away with more questions. Um, so the core of what we do, and Explore looks and feels exactly like a Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. So if you know how to use that, and like quite honestly, any child over three, you hand them like any type of device, they know how to use that. Um, it's all under 10 minute content and it's not repurposed. So everything we do is looking at what teens and tweens are interested in, what teachers keep telling us, like, we'd really love to teach this, but we don't quite have the perfect video that's solution-driven, will spark conversation. We like to say all of our videos spark curiosity. Um, so this is not like, you know, an, an ed tech platform that you think, okay, I'm going to learn how to do algebra for fifth graders, and it's a 10-minute video, and now my students know how to do this. The idea is it's a springboard for open dialogue in a classroom. It's the jumping point that teachers use um, to sort of, you know, and what kid doesn't want to watch a video in a classroom, especially if it's in like math or science. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm from the time like you used to have to wheel like the That's television. Right. 
PR in and it was always like, yay, it's video day. <laughs> well, every day can be video day with us. Um, so that's, that's the idea of what we do. So to create video content that sparks dialogue, um, and then it, it has a knowledge to action framework. So like, what do we want students to do once they've gained that bit of knowledge? Is it a community project? Is it, um, you know, collaborative conversation with students? Um, so it's not regurgitation of facts. It's not learning by rote. It's really there to, to, to spark interest. Um, and that's the storytelling aspect, right? Like when we watch like a great movie or a television show, whatever it is, what's the first thing you do when you, wa when you watch something great? You go yeah. tell your friends, that's you go right. talk about it. So that's that's the core to what we do. And we've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, I love that. You know, and I love that the 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 videos and the content that are, are within there is really this more getting us to think about this call to action. And I think, you know, in, in education, I think any any teacher would agree with that. Right. Like, how do we move beyond, you know, like lower level understanding and how do we move into agency and action? And so I, I'm curious, you know, obviously as you guys are framing all this and, and and telling stories and we know that we want that to be the end piece, you know, and I know that was in the case for us, we're looking at the, at the plastic pollution things was we were examining global, national, and then local issues. And hopefully we, we saw, we wanted the kids to see a through line. Like these are the same problems globally, nationally, and right here in our backyard. And then what, what can we do about that, you know, for the age group that we had, and let's move in and, and actually do something, kind of create this ripple effect in the universe. And so, you know, as, as you guys think through that, and you, you think through the stories, and you think through the content you're putting together, how do you, how, how do you think about creating that, I'm going to call it, maybe it's wonder, it's curiosity, it's inquiry, this, this, this empathy, to hopefully spark moving into action because I think that is a hard element like we get it we understand it but then like how do you create those situations and those environments where it's like yes let's go do that so like what's what's some of your guys' thought process because that is what you guys are so great at doing not just storytelling but then leading us in just like you said we walk out of a movie theater and we want to go talk about it or we want to go jump on reddit and, and go down that rabbit rabbit hole if you want to, you know, like we want to know more, we want to dive into the things. And so how do you guys go about trying to develop that and, and create that spark? Yeah, I love that you say spark. So we say spark curiosity and mm. we want our kids to be curiosity positive, you know, mm. so like positive, curiosity positive. Um, and, and especially from like a teacher's perspective, you know, when I go into schools, we always say like, there's no wrong question as long as it comes from a point of learning. So like, mm. I love it when we're in a class, when we're in a class and we, we, we screen video and every hand goes up or when you're in an auditorium and 2,500 <laughs> hands go up because yeah. there's so many questions. And I, you know, you think you've like, okay, I've been doing this long enough. I know all the questions that are going to hit you. And then like another one hits you. Um, so we we start with that. Um, we like to say our videos are real world, relevant, and relatable. So, and I think that's what's missing from education. Why is this relevant to me? How is this real world and how is it relatable? So let's take real world. You're talking plastics. Um, the number one thing kids are, are concerned about right now is climate change. So um, you have to have content that feeds that in a real world way relevant you can give all the statistics you want but if you don't understand like seven billion pounds of garbage going in if you don't understand that that's not 
real world to you. Like we, we need to, we need to frame it within a context that you understand it. And that can, can change from community to community. Right. And then relatable, relatable for us is who we cast and put in front of the camera. So you're talking about a series that we call everyday science stuff. And that's with a young first generation college student who grew up in a single parent home in the South side of Chicago and wasn't really great in school and then found STEM um, and then became a NASA scholar and is now one of the top science communicators, but he's under 30 years old. So when a lot of kids see him on camera, they can relate to that experience that I didn't like STEM and it was something that got me interested um, or just even I wasn't great in school because nothing sparked my curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, so Justin's the host of that series, but then we're also very thoughtful in who we cast. So we try to cast people who are under 30, mostly under 25. So kids are learning from their peers and they're, they're seeing the work that their peers do in their own communities to try to solve some of these issues. So I think that right there helps. Like I, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged white 40, you know, middle-aged woman I don't speak to everyone's experience. Um, and I think as teachers, we, uh, we also know that, right? That you can't speak to every kid in your classroom, their experience. Um, you know, we have very diverse classrooms, not just in terms of like gender and race, but just their personal lived experience. So how do we bring as much of that to one 10 minute video or one unit of study as possible? And I think that's kind of the secret sauce, right? And then always having something solution driven. So if you talk about you know, climate change or um, wildfires, it does seem doom and gloom, but we always try to pull out that one thing that somebody is doing somewhere on a small scale to, to move the needle to solve that problem. Yeah, I love that. And I like those, those, those three R's, that relevant piece. And I see that happen time and time again too, or I know, I'm guilty of this. I get really excited about um, some sort of authentic learning that we're doing. And I'll, I'll work with, with classroom teachers to figure out how do we make this work? How do we make this work with all the logistics of the school day and the pressures of, that the teachers face, but at the same time, like getting kids excited about the, we want them excited to come to school the next day. And I know that sometimes I can go out and be like, did you know, did you know, did you know? And then I'm like, but and they, and they can get excited, but do they really understand what it is that I'm saying? Not that they're not capable or intelligent enough of, but like you said, like, do we understand the, what truly that amount of garbage is or that amount of plastic really? Like, can we visualize in our brain that much, you know? I, so, and whatever it is that we're talking about right now, we're, um, at the time of this recording, we're working with a hundred year old World War II French resistant fighter. And one of the biggest things that we are truly, truly unpacking, which is fascinating is like, the proper way to go about asking questions. So it, it's like this whole new layer of like, we've got kids asking questions left and right, but now what's the context of how we approach that with that human element, right? Like I'm meeting you for the first time. There's just certain questions that I probably shouldn't ask the first time I talk to somebody, you know, and how do we do that? It's, it's not malicious, but there's a whole nother layer that comes with how do we sort and categorize and prioritize questions? And then what are we going to do with those? And so, you know, kind of going from that space and kind of like a squirrel this morning, but um, where I'm trying to get through with that idea then is as these questions evolve and, and, and seeing the work that you guys have produced, the idea of storytelling isn't new. It's as old as, as humankind, but in that 10 minute piece, 
knowing what you just said, like we all have diverse backgrounds and experiences and all those things. You, you, you guys craft really well-told stories that I think help, help the viewer understand the concepts that are being told in a way that makes meaning or at least creates that intrigue to want to go find out more. So how, how do you take those big ideas like a climate change or any of the host of the other examples that you guys have available and you're thinking about that time construct construct of 10 minutes to get through that information, but then also weave it in a story where it's like, yeah, we we want to know more about it. Because it could be, there's a lot of videos, right? It is for, for 10 minutes, could just word vomit facts at you and know this, know this, know this, but then it's like, eh, okay, but that's not what you guys do. So like, how do you, how do you go about telling that? Because I also think that's a huge piece missing just in general learning environments, whether we're talking in classrooms or after school programs and stuff is like, what's the story to what we're doing? Do we know why? And then how do we tell a story? Because that is what moves people, I believe, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not easy to do. Um, it, it, you know, for every 10 minute video we create, it's about two months of planning. Mm. Um, so casting the right person. So with the plastics and, and just, you know, for, for your listeners, there are over 400 videos. So we're just, we're just talking plastics because that's your experience. Right, right. We knew that series is set up. It's the past, present and future of some sort of scientific thing that we're looking at. So we know we need to cover the past, the present, and the future. Um, and what does that mean? So that's three, it's three 10 minute pieces in that. So we knew we had a little bit of, of wiggle room with that, but it really is like distilling down because because we work with teachers on the back end to create lesson plans for everything. What does a lesson plan look like that a teacher can pull off the shelf after watching the 10 video 10 minute video and deploying within 35 minutes in the classroom? What does it look like if we're doing it as a unit of study and then with extensions? Mm -hmm. So when when we start to go into a video, we immediately bring those educators in and say, this is what we would envision a three-part series looking like. And this is what we envision the lesson and measuring that impact would look like. So then we have to, we sort of work backwards from that. But, you know, we have educators working on it, but we have incredibly talented Hollywood television writers who are helping us distill this down. So we have the expertise, we have the, the educators, but then we bring in people who really this is their job to do it. Um, and the the tricky part is 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 slashing like we we can't go down that road because then that's another 10 minute video right um so that's that's really what it is what did we want the purpose of this to be um and then how do we distill it down to its simplest form with like the three to five questions that we're going to give the teacher so they can engage in a dialogue um and that's really really hard to do we did a whole series on um, do walls work with the history of the Berlin Wall and the Cold War in 10 minutes? Mm. And a lot of academics at the university level looked at it and they're like, well, you missed so many things. And I'm like, right, but do you understand like the separation of Germany and the Cold War and the Cold War is metaphorical and not like fought in a cold environment? Because like we have to explain that to fifth graders too. Right, right. Um, and then they're like, oh, you're right, you're right. I'm like, so this is not meant to be like a mini 10 minute masterclass again, it's just that springboard. Um, and then we'll deep dive. So I think you saw the three-part plastic and then there was another piece we did and then there's another piece we picked up. So you can continue to build on that learning. So things were structured that way. But yeah, the point is, how can we just get one lesson out of 10 minutes? 
it's, it's, it's incredibly complicated, but two decades of doing this and working with teachers saying, I think you were missing a little bit of this. And then working with students saying, but I was confused by this. We can always go back and, and re-edit, re-narrate um, and add more content on, which I think is also very unique in what we do. If something yeah. doesn't play right, we go back and fix it. That's awesome. And yeah, so you've got this, this wealth of experience of adapting, you know, through your, your time with teachers and educators and creating content, working with all these experts. I am curious through all that from your humble beginnings to where you are now, like what has stayed the same or true when it comes to like storytelling or getting that, you know, be able to that catalyst for spark and, and then, and maybe, and, or maybe it's a second question, a separate follow-up, but like, what's also, have you guys had to like change and pivot as tools and tech and society and things have, have revamped? I mean, I'm just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm going down the rabbit trail right now with like artificial intelligence and G chat GPT and how do we start to just be proactive and have conversation and what does that mean? And what does it not mean? And should we be freaking out or should we just, you know, and, and that's a whole separate thing, but I think like time continues to give us curveballs. Um, and so I'm curious, like, as you've gone through this, what are the, you know, kind of the, the bedrocks that haven't changed and then how, what are some things that you've had to, uh, adjust on just as, as things come and go? Okay. So I'd like to say that, <laughs> that the technology hasn't changed, but when I say 20 years, I founded, I, I started doing this two years before YouTube existed. Okay. So yeah. when you think of like the under 10 minute platform, I kind of pioneered that for the classroom. Yeah, um, and then YouTube launched in 2005 and everybody got it. Like, could yeah. you imagine going into a classroom <laughs> in like 2003 being like, I'm going to completely change the way you teach with this little device. And people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Right. Um, so where, so the, I think the, the approach to storytelling for us has always been the same. Let's not repurpose content. Let's create original content um, specifically for this use case for this demographic. But knowing this demographic, it has to be like fast paced. There has to be a sense of humor. It has to be a little more sarcastic. Like that hasn't changed at all. Right. So you have to have that. And if you don't have people in the first 10 seconds in a classroom, they're zoned out. So there, there's it's just got to be there. So we know that that's core to what we do. Um, What's changed is um, it's always been important to us to, we say, see it, be it. So the people we put in front of the camera that kids see themselves reflected. And I think Sesame Street always did that so beautifully. Right. And again, if you don't, if, if, if you don't see yourself reflected in the content, the lessons in, in the people that are on camera, you're not going to pay attention. Like you just simply don't pay attention. Um, we've always done that, but I think in the last three to five years, that's become really, really important, both in the education space and like the fictional space. Just look at the things you watch on television, um, and how many different perspectives and, and backgrounds are, are being represented. I still think we need to do more. Um, but I love seeing that. I also think that, um, what's changed is, um, Kids are incredibly savvy consumers of media now because they're on their phones all the time and we have to compete with that. So again, if you're not telling stories in a format that kids are accustomed to, um, they're not going to watch it because you're competing with their attention all the time with TikTok and Instagram and whatever else they happen to be on and Twitch. 
So you have to sort of look to those things and, and borrow the best of it, um, which is not a bad thing, <laughs> right. um, to sort of meet them where they are, right? Like, let's meet kids where they are. So that's that's really what I think has changed. And then I think COVID has opened our eyes to a lot of things. Um, there are five, billion, uh, 5 million English language learners in the US alone that during COVID people weren't necessarily thinking about um, on, a, on a grand scale. So our content is, it has English cap ca uh, captioning for the deaf and hard of hearing or English language learners, Spanish, Mandarin, Arabic, Korean, and Vietnamese. Um, and we continue to grow that. So, you know, thinking again, how can we reach as many kids um, where they're at. And if when we got pushed into remote learning, imagine if you're a parent and you don't speak English and you're now sent home with all of these resources and you can't help your child. Um, so I think I think we're starting to pay more attention to that. We're starting to pay more attention to um, accessibility issues online. Um, and that's that's something that we will continue. So anytime a teacher reaches out to me and says, this group of students is being left behind. We, we try to address that immediately. So we love when people reach out to us um, to help us be better in that area. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think through all the unfortunate things of COVID, there's been a lot more, it, it brought to light a lot more of the idea of, of building awareness for all um, because we did see a lot of things that I think uh, it was easy to overlook and just in, the day-to-day -day operations of how things were. And then we all kind of got punched in the face for a little bit. And we kind of had to go back and not kind of, we did, we had to recalibrate. We had to look at things and we had an opportunity to to do better. And I think we've seen some of that. I agree with you. Yeah, still definitely uh, lots of work to be done, but you definitely see a lot more efforts into, into those things to try to meet everybody where they are um, because I yeah. think it really exposed uh, some flaws and just the system at large, not necessarily individuals. Um, and so exactly. I, I think if there was a positive of anything, it was definitely, I think, building that 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 piece has, has started to become, I think, a, a stronger fo focus for a lot, you know? And so as, as you're going through and you're talking through this too, I, you know, you, you've got a chance to probably get lots of feedback and, and hear lots of stories. I mean, what are some of your your favorite ahas? Because I, I mean, I'm 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 sitting there. I've experienced. I've utilized some of the, of of the work, and I know like the impact it can have, and I know the excitement it can create. But for those like listening in, you know, I'm thinking about those that um, might be like, so we're talking about about videos, right? Like like what are some of those 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 power stories so people can can truly grasp like like not just a high quality, but how it creates spark. Cause I like what you were talking about earlier where there's opportunities to utilize it based on the needs. I think of the educator and the students, whether that's, here's this as a, a quick catalyst and we can get something done within a lesson. I like that it can be a unit. I like it can be something even much, much larger and fit into the landscape. In our case, it was, we were trying to get to this much bigger piece of this learning that we are doing. Um, and it fit in really, really nicely within the work. So I like that there's different approaches, but what, what are, what are some other power stories? I know there, there's way more, as you said, than just a plastic video. So you can... Sure. You can definitely highlight some others besides yeah. the plastic. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with those. <laughs> so the there, well, there's the aha moments for us where we know where we need to be going next with content. And then there's the wow moments when teachers reach out to me and tell me what they've done. 
So aha moments, right now we know that teachers, parents, and students and caregivers are desperate, desperate for content on financial literacy, social emotional learning, mental health, and career exploration. So kids are telling us we're failing them in getting them ready to find a job that doesn't sit within what they see in their community. So if you ask like a little child, they'll say, fireman, policeman, lawyer, doctor, secretary, because that's what they see. Right. So how can we start looking at career opportunities or just skills that kids need to succeed in life? Because that's the purpose of education, right? Um, so we've got a series called Origin Stories. Origin Stories is the backstory that informs um, a superhero's uh, uh evolution. So we've done like a little spin on Marvel. So how people are heroes in their jobs and their jobs that you probably don't know exist. Mm -hmm. And that will continue to grow. Um, but then when, you know, you just mentioned AI and chat GPT, we're also preparing kids in 10 years, 70% of the jobs, most statistics between 60 and 70%, those jobs don't exist yet. Yeah. So how do we give kids like resiliency, like ability to communicate across borders, uh, comfort with ambiguity? <laughs> like there are all these like skills that we need to, to highlight and demonstrate. So career exploration, huge aha point. Financial literacy, a lot of schools do it, but what we're hearing from a lot of communities, particularly under-resourced communities, is the financial literacy available to them makes them feel bad. So it starts with a lot of, did you know that most families, 50% of families can't survive a $400 emergency that immediately makes a child feel bad for something that they didn't do. So how do we, how do we shift that narrative? So those are sort of the two aha, every school I go into, they say, this is what we need. This is what we need. Can you help? Can you help? Um, so we'll be focused next year on building those resources and financial, financial literacy is math, like career exploration is STEM learning. Like it ties into everything we're already teaching. Um, we're just not teaching kids in a way that they see value for the real world when they leave school. Um, and the, oh, wow moment. Um, I'll give you one. We had a school in upstate New York that watched, um, our series on sustainable cities. And this was an eighth grade school. And after watching that, they did uh, an analysis of how much garbage their, their classroom alone was generating and realized the biggest offender was the styrofoam trays and styrofoam cups that they were using in the cafeteria every day. Did a deep dive on one 10 minute video, <laughs> did a deep dive and then petitioned their school board to have those removed. And that happened within the next semester. There were no, there was no more styrofoam within that school. And that's like the power a young voice can have when you give them like agency and a platform. Right. Uh, so that to me is like, how do we find more things that kids are passionate about and can immediately take action on um, when they see that in their own community? Yeah, I love that. And I know what I, just as you were saying that about the styrofoam materials in the cafeteria, it, it was like my aha going back to the work that we were doing. And I remember one of the, we were working with elementary, so even younger. And and their aha was like, what about all the plastic silverware in our cafeteria? Like we're required to take it, even if we don't use it. So they've got a thing now where um, they can put it into this container if they're not going to use it to be redone. But one of the cool things that came out of this um, that was really good is we started to get into, they started to ask those questions. 
and come to find out that actually the the, the silverware is actually not plastic. It's like a cornstarch biodegradable type product. And so they were actually like this sense of relief, like, oh my gosh, because we're like, man, look, can you imagine how long you've been in school, all that stuff being thrown away? And, and even us as educators, we're like, maybe that's something we could do. Like, let's find out why, like there's probably a policy in place. And to come to find out, it was like, oh, it's actually not even plastic. It's like, they're already ahead of the curve. So now like that's, so they led to another powerful conversation. Like that's no longer a problem. Like we thought we had a problem. We don't have a problem. That's great. Now, what are we going to do next? And so it just, it was like this domino effect of like, also, like you said, I like the, 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 there was a positive element to that, right? Like it didn't walk away and them feeling bad going, oh, our school is so, so wasteful. No, actually you got some good things in place, but there's still always room for improvement. Uh, right. So uh, that was quite, I felt I needed to share that because I was like, oh, we kind of had that same kind of aha um, yeah. as, as that catalyst of, of, of change and thinking and, and, and questions. We've, we've even had schools, um, fundraise and petition to get beehives on their school grounds after we did something on um, vacant lots in Detroit because vacant lots aren't sprayed mm. so you can bring beehives in if you're a beekeeper and it's it's brilliant for them because all these wildflowers grow up because they're not being sprayed with pesticides yeah. so you think of all the vacant lots in Detroit you think about um, the importance of bees in our food cycle and, th- and now you've got this great use for them. So this, this school in Massachusetts heard this and they spent a year working on this and getting a teacher certified. And now they have beehives on site at school, which I just think is so brilliant. It is. Uh, kids are like, well, we should beekeep. If it's good for the environment, we should do it. And we can learn about the bee life cycle and pollen and, um, you know, it's collaboration, it's science. We can produce honey and sell it. Um, so this is, I, I just think, there's so much for kids to get excited about when they see just a great story and they see other people doing it. And they, they're like, well, those people aren't much different than me. They're just normal people right. who are out there out there making their community a better place, no matter how big or, or how small. Yeah, I love that. And I love how, you know, as you're as you're going through, you're getting that feedback. And I like those avenues you guys are looking to explore. I think those are are huge topic areas that definitely need a boost in just resources and bringing more awareness into to the landscape of education. Um, but how else are you like, I mean, one, I know there's that feedback listening to students and teachers, and then, you know, there's, there, there's a, so many things happening in the world. Um, you know, I always joke with teachers, but not really joking. Like we don't need to like create like fake scenarios. There's plenty of things in the world that give us stuff to to go and be active about and solutions. But as you guys are going through that too, you know, how else are you guys curating potential ideas of of things to explore beyond the the the, the user feedback, which is probably obviously the vital most important. I mean, there, there's so much out there. Like how do you guys go through trying to navigate that to figure out maybe we should have some leads or discard stuff? Like how do you guys do that? Because I think that becomes another issue in education too is like we want to create these authentic learning experiences. But oh my gosh, there's so much. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin or what to choose or how to narrow that down or or that kind of process. 
Yeah. I mean, ideally, we'd like to get to a point where we don't have to narrow it down. Yeah, and right, again, right, if you're right. talking like a Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, isn't that great that you could just have like all of the content in one place and not really have to search for it, but you can search for it by standard. And, yeah. um, and that's, you know, that's sort of like what things like YouTube are missing, right? You know that it's all academic, all for the right grade. There's no advertising on right. it. So, right, right. Um, you know, we, we do look to business leaders. Um, so like AI is, is the hot topic right now. And I know people in education are worried about it and some people aren't, but I think the core of it is like, if we're also panicked that AI is going to take all of our jobs, don't we think we should back this up three steps and like start to educate kids on what AI is. Um, and then, you know, you get more advanced kids like ethics and AI. So uh, you've got all these companies laying off people because of AI, but we're still going to need people to like train the AI um, to write the code. I mean, that's still going to be there. So um, those are kind of the things we look at is we we look at like what employers think the core skill sets um, and knowledge sets are going to be in the next five to 10 years. So we make sure we're preparing kids for that. Um you know, we we do reiterate um, some of the content, change some of the content based on user feedback. But before we even get somewhere, we'll poll and ask kids, we're going to Thailand. Are you more interested in elephant rescue or preservation of rainforests? Um, so, you know, you already have a built in audience if they're telling you that's what they want. Right. Um, and then we also do professional development. So we'll speak at conferences. And when we do, we ask teachers if you could wave a magic wand and have the perfect video for a subject you don't know how to teach yet, but your kids are interested in, tell us what it is and we'll try to make it. Um, so that's even before we it gets into our idea pipeline, what's missing. Now for us, we're hearing it's a lot of math, 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 which is incredibly difficult to do. Um, just because you need so much of it and it has to be very specific and it has to follow a very specific order. Um, but sort of everything else out there, um, people keep saying robotics to us, careers in space exploration. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's how we curate these ideas. And then we just watch the news a lot. Yeah. Uh, which is great because we're launching a news channel in March. Um, so oh, we'll cool. have some of that uh, more immediate it won't have the full-blown lesson because if we want it to be immediate, we need to grab it then and not wait two days to put out a lesson. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah. we know teachers are smart enough and come up, can come up with the discussion points, but let's just put it in a place that they can grab it and use it as they need. So like this morning would be perfect. There was a, an earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Um, so let's pull that and start having that conversation. Right. Right. I love that. And um that's exciting about the news piece because I can just be just in and of itself, just sometimes giving people something to think about. And then it springs more, like you said, Oh, I could use this in my, in my lesson or my thing coming up here soon. And so I think sometimes that's just, we just need those, those little nudges or reminders of here, yeah. here's a talking point for us to consider. And, you know, as, as we kind of bring this to a close and be respectful of your time. You know, one of the things that I, I really like too, is that, that series of the, of your origin stories and bringing in those careers. I know one of the things that has been uh, a really powerful aha for me in the last couple of years has been trying to like think more intelligently about how to infuse experts into the work um, has been trying to get more people in these fields to come in and not just like help us in the moment for whatever we're trying to learn. But we've now been starting off with like, tell us who you are and how you got to where you be. And the kids almost every single time, like that is more powerful than 
honestly, whatever the the truly authentic learning is that we that is also important and exciting, yeah. like they find that more fascinating. Um, and so I think it just helps them reiterate one that there's all these jobs that they have no idea um, that are even jobs, and then two, like, oh wow, like I could like like I could do that. Like there's not like some like cheat code or some little like, you know, video game sequence you can put in and and jump hoops to get to those things. And I know we had like uh, several times we brought in like NASA experts for them to realize like, and it has nothing to do with space. I mean, it does and it doesn't. I mean, we think about space economy living here on earth, we got to figure out, but for them to realize like, oh, like there's all these types of things within NASA. Like I could be an artist and I could be a graphic designer and I could, I could care about plastic and, and I could still work for NASA. Like, that's so cool. Like they have no idea. They just assume that you have to be an astronaut and want to go to space and helping them realize like, that's such a little tiny margin of an organization like NASA. And um, so I think there's that constant exposure and hearing those stories to me is like just a whole separate catalyst for excitement as we get into other learning experiences for them to realize if this is something you're interested in, man, there is actually a job for that. And here's what it could look like. To me, that has been one of my biggest ahas. Um, it's nothing earth shattering, but I think just being more diligent and continue to bring in those voices and have them share their story uh, as we get into to, to the learning that, you know, whatever the the, the grade level is asking of us. And I, and I love the personal aspect of people's jobs because no person's career path is like this. It's yeah, right. like, it's all squiggly, right? Like yeah. I thought I was going to be an investment banker and then I studied Shakespeare and that like, so, it, you know, you never know where you're going to end up. Um, in, in New York, you pick the high school you go to. So you'll go to like a crime focused high school or a business focused mm-hmm. or an arts focused. And when I go into middle schools, New Yorkers will say to me, what high school do I have to go to get your job? And I'm like, any <laughs> high school you want, um, you just have to be passionate and curious and organized and like work on your story. And because you have a mobile phone in your pocket, you can become a storyteller to like people all over the world. Like nothing is stopping you from like telling stories. Yeah. Uh, and then that's like that little light bulb, like, oh, I don't have to wait for somebody in Hollywood to find me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go to film school, which is a terrible thing to say, but because um, I didn't go to film school. But, you know, if you if that's your passion um, and I think people are real realizing like the storyteller thing, like if you're going into like data analytics, like companies now need storytellers yes. to take that data and tell the story. So, I mean, there are so many different roots that a child can take that, you know, well, young adults, um, as well. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite series to work on. And one of the most important things we're doing right now. Yeah. And I feel like I should have started with this question, but now I am, now I am intrigued. Like what, so what is your origin story? Like, how did you get into (laughs) this work? Because you're creating incredible content. You work with incredible people. Um, you know, just like you said, middle schoolers asking, how do I, how do I do what you do? Um, you know, how did you get into this this field that you've been working in so passionately for for the for the last couple of decades? Um, how'd that work out for you? Because I think it's <laughs> it's a field that a lot of kids are interested in. I mean, I, I think about that right with the with the TikToks and the social media and whatever our thoughts are on it. Like all those little sound bites, video clips, it's all storytelling in in some shape or form, and and they and it's they're good at it. Um, they may not always understand all the things. I know there's all whatever. That's a whole nother uh barrel monkeys there but like 
So what, what, what's yours? I, I feel bad. That's where I should have started uh, framing all this up here. <laughs> okay. Um, so I grew up in a town of 800 people, one blinking traffic light, um, and didn't know anyone who had left the country other than for military service. Um, did well in school, uh, in middle school and high school, um, went to university, and I was at a liberal arts school, and you had to take an art class. And I thought, well, I'm not going to take visual arts because the painting equipment's too expensive, and I'm not going to take music because I'm not a very good musician, and I don't want to have to buy an instrument. So I'm going to take theater because that's like the cheapest class I can take. Um, and four years later, uh, I, I'm a Shakespeare expert. <laughs> so um, moved to New York and thought, I'm going to be an actress, went to one open call, and there were hundreds of other people there. And I thought, there is no way I'm more talented than the people in this room. Um, so maybe I'll become a theater producer. And then I realized very quickly, you had to have your own money to become a theater <laughs> producer. So like all people with a, a theater degree, you sort of have one of two paths when you're not working in television, theater, or film, and that's either to wait tables or temp at a corporation. <laughs> um, so I took my very expensive university degree and started temping at an investment bank. And um, I quickly made myself indispensable. Two weeks into my uh, temp assignment, they said, would you like a full-time job? And would you like to travel to Hong Kong and Tokyo with a film crew to help them make the recruiting videos for this company? You're just going to be the administrator on it, but you know, you'll make sure everybody shows up on time and everybody has their cars booked and their hotels. At 23 years old, I'd never left the country other than Canada and Mexico, and you didn't need a passport at the time. So I said, absolutely, 100% yes, and it completely changed my life. So I learned filmmaking but I also learned about the world beyond my community. Mm. Um, and it made me just want to explore the world more. Came back after six months, lost my job at, uh, at during September 11th um, because we were no longer recruiting at the company, but I was given a severance package, which is basically the golden ticket to do whatever you want um, for the next year of your life. And I thought, that's what I want to do is I want to provide virtual passports to every child like mm. me um, and I'm going to use this little thing called the internet to do it. So it was right place, right time. Um, it was also, you know, bad fortune in losing the job, but, you know, silver lining in that I had the opportunity to sort of think about what I could do with my career path and then launched it and just never looked back. But yeah, completely self-taught filmmaker, editor. My mom was a teacher. My dad served on the school board. And before we launched anything, I spent like 18 months talking to teachers. I'm like, if I could do this, what would you want? Mm. I love that. I love so that. So you never know. You never know. Like it was yeah. not my chosen career path. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm very highly organized. And the investment bank gave me that. And they gave me my first passport. And now here you are kicking butt and taking names. You never know. <laughs> 70, 78 countries <laughs> later and yeah, 500 wow. episodes and you never know. Yeah, that's incredible. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so to get back to be respectful of your time that I said 15 minutes ago uh, earlier. Um, so as as we bring this, this, this to a close, is there anything that you want to share that we, we didn't get a chance to bring up in, in the conversation um, for those listening. And I think you gave us so many great things to think about in terms of storytelling. I think just the, I'm going to call them the three R's and I'm not talking about reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, you know, just 
all the things just, I think, as, as we're being intentional in what we're doing in our classrooms with ourselves or whatever our learning space might be with kids, I think there's a lot of just application as well as the opportunity to also consider um, some of these videos, because I'm sure some hopefully are intrigued to see them and want to learn more and, and, and see what it is that we keep talking about. Um, but there's just lots of good little uh, golden nuggets of uh, wisdom woven in. But if there's anything else, I want to make sure you have opportunity to share. Uh, nothing else to share. We like the video to speak for itself. Um, but if you go to expl-classroom.com, there's free videos for you to try out. Um, and if you fill out that little form um, somewhere on the website that says I'm interested, um, it'll be me that gets in touch with you to walk you through and see how we might be able to support the amazing work that teachers across the country and around the world are already doing. Um, and let's be honest, teachers are heroes. So let's give them things that make their jobs easier. I love it. I love it. We'll make sure we get that link there in the show notes for those that uh, might be driving and listening or walking and running. We'll make sure we got that in there for you to check out. Um, definitely worth your time to do that. And and Jenny, even outside of um, that, if, if people want to follow um your work or more of the work obviously we'll get all this stuff in the show notes but are, are there some some key places for them to go as well um obviously um the explorer media website is 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 utmost the good place to start but if they want to know more about you or your work or that kind of thing where else could they go all the socials um jenny bucos j-e-n-n-y-b-u-c-c-o-s i'm the only one in the world so just look me up um i do follow back um, and my co-founder and I are highly engaged, especially when it comes to teachers and classrooms. Yes, you absolutely are. So we, we greatly appreciate that. We appreciate the work and the content. And, uh, I'm really thankful to have this conversation with you. You're doing incredible things and uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, being on the show today. Great. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.